The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts. Radio. News. Jen Via lives in Salinas, California, and she told us that a few years ago, when she went into labor with her second child, things moved really quickly. My water broke in the middle of the night, and I was like, okay, well, let me take a shower and get ready. But my partner's like, no, we got to go. They got in the car and drove 45 minutes north, across county lines, to a hospital in Santa Cruz. My contractions were getting shorter and shorter. And then when we arrived, they asked how what would been timing them. And it was like a couple minutes. So they rushed me into the room. And as they were registering me in my room, I was giving birth. The reason the timing was so tight, the reason Jen chose to go to a hospital almost an hour away, it's not because it was the closest option. In fact, the closest hospital to her home is only about half a mile away. Like, I could probably drive there and get there maybe in the same minute. The reason Jen and her partner made that middle-of-the-night drive came down to money. When Jen gave birth in Santa Cruz County, the tab was about $8,300. But if she had given birth at a hospital in the county where she lives, the cost could have been more than $40,000. Today on the show, Bloomberg News crunched the data on hospital pricing around the country. What they found reveals a new picture of just how much healthcare prices can vary, even just a few miles apart. I'm Sarah Holder, and this is Big Take from Bloomberg News. Jen Via started thinking about having a second child after she moved to Salinas. Mind you, it was like planned, so I was kind of like looking into like, when's the best time? Where's the doctors? She was thinking about who could deliver the baby because the OBGYN she had wasn't in network. And Jen knew having a baby with an out-of-network doctor would be expensive. She needed some guidance. Jen's a special education teacher, and so she turned to the head of her teacher's union for advice. What do I do? You know, like, how do I start this? Since I wasn't pregnant yet. She said, like, you could have you have time to just change your insurance. It's just going to be a lot more if you want to have your baby and keep your doctor. And I said, okay, so how much more? And then when it was like about a thousand more, it's like, I'll drive. A thousand dollars more a month. That's how much more Jen says she would have to pay to get a health insurance plan that would allow her to get care from the hospital closest to her home. And not just that hospital. Her insurance wouldn't cover her giving birth at any of the three hospitals in her county, which are among the most expensive in the country. My first reaction is like, you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Okay, well, financially, one makes way more sense than the other. So I'm going to do this. But like, how dare them? Like, how is this okay? Like, how is it okay that I, people that work in the hospital, I'm teaching your kids. You know, like I'm working to better our community as a whole. But I can't use the hospital. Jen's experience is sort of 
an extreme situation because of the place she lives and the price levels there that are so high. That's my colleague, John Tazi. He covers all things related to the cost of healthcare in the U.S. But everyone in the United States who has commercial insurance is sort of exposed to this problem, right? John and his colleagues recently got an up-close look at this problem when they crunched some data on hospital pricing collected by a research group called the RAND Corporation. And they found pricing disparities like the one Gen Via described all over the country. In New York City, in Texas, in Indiana, pretty much everywhere you look, where there are multiple hospitals, there are lower cost or higher cost options within a certain range. In total, John and his team found more than 350 hospitals that had significantly lower cost competitors within just five miles. And if patients were willing to travel 30 miles, almost half of U.S. hospitals have a significantly less expensive competitor within 30 miles. So why would it cost thousands more dollars in one county and then in another county 30 miles over, it would be a lot cheaper? It's a very good question. Um, It's the question. It's the question. It's the question of American healthcare. Have you talked to hospitals where they're charging more than other people nearby? What do they say about the prices? Yeah. So, I mean, in general, the hospital industry kind of says that this variation in and of itself is not a problem because hospitals do have different cost structures and different mix of the patients they see. Some of the hospitals say that they are financially at risk and that they need to, you know, they see other hospitals, particularly in rural areas, closing um, so that they need to make sure they are charging a price that will sustain their operations. But I think, you know, whenever we hear assertions from the industry that they need higher reimbursements from ultimately it's all paid for by patients or taxpayers, I think we should scrutinize claims that we need to pay more for what we're getting. Well, do the people who end up paying more get better care? So there is a lot of research trying to understand the relationship between price and quality. We should say measuring quality in healthcare is pretty challenging in some ways. Some hospitals might have like really top quality cardiac care, but not as good quality orthopedic care. And so I think you need to be really kind of clear and specific about what you're comparing when you're trying to do that sort of analysis. But in general, the answer is no, that higher cost care is not better quality. How clear is this to consumers? Do people generally know they can get cheaper care as close as a couple miles away? I think most consumers are largely baffled and confused every time they, uh, you know, interact with the healthcare system. Um, So as a baseline, I would say no. Part of the reason why the cost of healthcare can be so confusing is that many people don't pay for it directly. They pay their insurance company, and then their insurance company negotiates the prices with the provider. And for a long time, even if you wanted to look up how much something would cost at different hospitals, it was hard to do. Until relatively recently, all these kind of prices and contracts were private. They were hidden. They were secret. They were not public by default. That started to change in recent years due to new regulations under the Trump and Biden administrations that require hospitals to publish their prices. But John says compliance has been slow, and we're still a long way off from a world where it's easy for individual patients to find the most affordable care. 
For 20 odd years now in the US, there's been a movement toward trying to make consumers, you know, patients, people who need healthcare, into shoppers, consumers who will compare price and quality and make the best decisions based on that information. There are now various websites and places where you can try to compare pricing. I would say it's still really hard. And like particularly for people who are maybe having a medical crisis, maybe kind of overwhelmed by other things. And at the time, um, it's a high bar to kind of like ask people to do complicated analysis and try to weigh trade-offs between price and quality, right? And like figure out, like it's hard, it's really hard. So I would say, you know, even if consumers know that there's potentially other options, trying to do that decision-making on your own is, is really challenging. We're looking at a part of our economy and a part of our lives that we have like designated to the market. Unlike a lot of countries who've decided that we're going to use a market approach to commercial healthcare in the U.S., and it's not working. So we've got this big problem in pricing. What do we do about it? After the break, we visit a place that has taken steps to get hospital pricing disparities under control. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Out of all the data John and his team analyzed, he said there was one state that's led the way on addressing hospital pricing disparities. So in some ways, the state of Indiana is kind of ground zero for what we're talking about here. Back in 2016, John says an employers group called the Employers Forum of Indiana got concerned that hospital pricing in their state was getting out of hand. And they said to some economists at RAND, hey, can you help us understand this? RAND, that's the research group that collected data on hospital pricing. RAND compared what hospitals in the state were charging patients with commercial insurance versus what they were getting paid for patients on Medicare. And they found that many of the hospitals in Indiana were unusually expensive, including the state's largest health system, Indiana University Health. That kind of led employers in Indiana to be pretty upset about what they were paying. They didn't understand why they were paying so much and people in other states weren't necessarily paying as much. How did prices at Indiana University Health get so high? I don't think there's one clear answer. One thing they did say is, you know, like a lot of big hospital systems, they've made acquisitions in recent years. They've absorbed smaller hospitals. Some of those hospitals had existing contracts with insurers, so they sort of inherited different prices. But, you know, I think how they got so high, again, that's sort of the fundamental question of, like, all of this, that we don't really have a good answer to, except that those are the prices that insurance companies agreed to pay. Bloomberg News asked to interview executives from each of the 50 hospital systems across the country that Rand identified as the most expensive. Indiana University Health was the only one that agreed. When we talked to the hospital, they didn't dispute that this was an issue. They actually said that they're trying to make 
affordability part of their strategy. And they have pledged to kind of get their prices in line, at least with national averages, over a five-year period. Indiana University Health pledged to start cutting prices in 2020. And since then, ambulance charges have fallen 24 percent. Pharmacy services are down by 30 percent. And radiology prices are now almost half of what they used to be. John says it's a rare example of a hospital group responding to pressure to bring their prices down. So I think in Indiana, you have a story of a really engaged group of employers that really put this issue on the map with data. They brought it to legislators. They kind of made a political issue over hospital prices. And that has at least begun to kind of trickle into both policy changes, but also market changes where we see IU Health responding to some of these concerns. So I think the question to watch over the next few years is like, first of all, what happens in Indiana to overall costs? But then do we start to see that kind of nationally, right? Do more hospitals come out and say, hey, we understand there's a problem here and we're going to try and shift some things to address it? I think we are seeing this increasingly as a political issue. But in terms of like the public pressure on hospitals, it's nowhere near like you look at pharma. I mean, every politician is talking about drug prices constantly, even though we spend far more on hospital care. Right. So I think it'll be interesting to watch how this plays out nationally over the next few years. John, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Big Take from Bloomberg News. I'm Sarah Holder. This episode was produced by David Fox. It was edited by Caitlin Kenny and Tim Annette. It was mixed by Blake Maples. It was fact-checked by Tiffany Choi. Our senior producers are Naomi Shaven and Jilda DiCarli. We get editorial direction from Elizabeth Ponso. Nicole Beamsterbohr is our executive producer. Sage Bauman is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.